to you. It's Out of Bounds with Dylan James. I'm Dylan. That's JT. And we welcome you to another year of sports news here on the show. Thanks for joining us once again. Hope you guys had a very happy new year and also Merry Christmas as well. We've been gone for quite some time, but we are back in the saddle again. JT, how are your holidays? It was very busy, Dylan. For me, I had to work a lot <laughs> between Disney and Under Armour, but making a lot of money in the bank, so I can't complain about that. Uh, other than that, it was a good Christmas and a good New Year with us hanging out at Kitty O'Shea's and karaoke and all that, so that was great. Uh, Dylan, how was uh, your holiday week? Busy as well. Worked a lot. During Christmas, we went up to Mississippi, got to see Ann Bailey's family for the for the Christmas season. We were up there for about a week, actually, the 21st to the 26th. And then we came back and just started working like crazy. Saratoga Springs at Disney Vacation Club has been insane, but we got through it. Operations team did a great job there. But yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of fun this year. And it was good to spend it with some family, some friends, and it was great. So, and New Year's was fantastic as well. We had a great time over at Kitty O'Shea's, our local watering hole. So, it was a lot of fun. Anyway, we have a lot of news to talk about, so why, might as well get in back into it. Um, we're going to talk about the NFL playoffs now. We're going to talk about Wild Card Weekend, then go back in time and talk about the Tennessee Titans, how they ended up their season, and uh, talk about some coaching carousel things and all this kind of stuff also talk about some college football talk about some hockey talk about some soccer everything we usually talk about so let's jump right into it jt so with nfl the playoffs are starting today we are actually watching the colts and the texans as we speak the first wild card game of the weekend it's gonna be a good game so far it is the colts up seven to zero with about nine and a half minutes left in the first quarter so before we talk about these games and break them down, let's just do a, a, a NFL pick 'em. I guess we can say because we usually did the college game day pick 'em this season, but let's do NFL instead. So with the wild card weekend, let's start with the first one: the Colts and the Texans. JT, who you got in this game? Yeah, Dylan, this is a real toss up for me because I mean, of course, both teams are in division, but the Colts have been on fire, and Andrew Luck, them winning like what nine of the last ten games, they're gonna get in the playoffs. And I just, they've had such a good record in Houston, Dylan. I just can't see that stopping. And I think the Colts, them being the lowest seed, they'll find a way to get out of Houston with the victory. And then they are going to play the Chiefs in the next round. So that's who I got in the first game. The Colts beating the Texans. Dylan, who you got? The the, the, um. The Indianapolis Colts actually won the last nine of their ten games. Um, the Texans were finishing up pretty strong as well with their defense. Their defense had actually rose to power this season like we thought they would with Jadavion Clowney and J.J. Watt leading the charge there on the defense. The Colts are a great team. They have been a great team all season. Um, e- even when they went 1-5 in five in their first six games. I mean, I think that the writing was kind of on the wall for them at first, but they came back very strong and decided to win, and they did. Um, They won their last final game of the season, which we'll talk about in just a moment with the Tennessee Titans. But before this game, this is what my mindset was. The Texans, I believe, are a more complete team. I think their defense um, can stop 
pretty much anybody. I think their offense is potent with Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins, who had zero drop passes this season. Zero, which is absolutely incredible. Had 115 receptions, tied the season record with former Texans wide receiver Andre Johnson. 115 receptions in a season, zero drop passes. Absolutely incredible by him. Um, They actually have some good wide receivers as well besides just uh, DeAndre Hopkins. But I think the Texans can come away with this one, especially being at home. Um, That's a huge thing for them. Home field advantage advantage is huge. And with the Texans, I would say they take away the win this uh, afternoon. So let's go over to the next game. The next game this afternoon is going to be the Seahawks and the Cowboys. Who you got, JT? Yeah, Dylan, another toss-up game, but it's going to be a quarterback battle. You got Russell Wilson going out against Dak Prescott. Uh, Russell Wilson did very well to help carry the Seahawks, getting um, that wild-card spot. Um, The Seahawks, to me, Dylan, I know they beat the Cowboys back in Week 3, but the Cowboys, Dylan, did not have Amari Cooper, who they have now. And he's been the big difference on why the Cowboys have been very successful going down the stretch course it did help the Redskins kind of tell the bit but it doesn't matter they won the division for the end in the playoffs they are at home and I with Russell Wilson I I usually wouldn't want to bet against this guy especially because he always keeps his team in it especially with you know 35 passing touchdowns this season but the Cowboys are at home and the Cowboys you know we as you know they're a different team at home and I expect they're going to show up and find a way to get this victory over the Seattle Seahawks and advance to the divisional round where they could, well, it's either the Saints or the Rams. I think they, I think they were the third seed, so they would probably play the Rams in the next round. So we'll see. But that's who my pick in the Cowboys. Who you got, Dylan? I had the Cowboys as well. Cowboys are at home in Jerry's world. I think that home field advantage is a huge thing um, in this wild card weekend. I think the, Texas, the um, Dallas Cowboys will have to go in there and show their dominance during this game, their defense. Um, is a very solid crew. They are seventh in the league in total in total defense. So I think that with that defensive unit they have for the Dallas Cowboys, with Ezekiel Elliott clicking whenever he's running downfield, when you also have um, the likes of Amari Cooper as a wide receiver, star wide receiver, who pretty much replaced Des Bryant, I guess you could say. Um, that's a huge plus for the Dallas Cowboys. I don't see Russell Wilson um, being able to pull this one out especially in Dallas. And also there's a referee there that's from Texas who actually refed the Dallas versus Saints game. And that's the game the Saints lost against the Dallas Cowboys this season. And apparently he might have some bias towards Dallas. So even with that, that I think that the Dallas Cowboys are a more complete team. And I think Dallas will win this one. Um, Very close margin, but I think they'll still win this game. Let's go to the next one. It's Chargers and Ravens happening tomorrow afternoon. Ravens are coming in looking pretty good with Lamar Jackson. And also the Chargers coming in being 7-1 and one on the road this season. JT, who you have? Man, this is going to be a really tough game, but I feel like Dylan, the L.A. Chargers have a shot to upset the Ravens on the road. Just because you mentioned 7-1 and one at, on the road. But not only that, Dylan, they played each other two weeks ago in Los Angeles. So, Phillip Rivers, you know, when he's in the playoffs, he's just a different type of quarterback. And with the roster they have, with the 
uh, roster they got for the Chargers. And you, they have a solid tight end, solid wide receivers, and a, a great running game. And the, the Ravens, Dylan, the defense were barely able to hold on the Cleveland Browns for them to get into the playoffs. Lamar Jackson, he's been impressive, but, you know, this is rookie in the playoffs. is a different game. He hasn't had experience before. So that's going to be questioning at the end. And the Chargers, you know, can they can the Ravens stop Keelan Allen? Can they stop him? If they can't stop him, he's going to carry that team, Dylan, for the Chargers. And I think the Bolts, Dylan, get it done on the road, and they will advance and play in the next round. In this game, two weeks ago, like you said, week 16, the Ravens and the Chargers met up in San Diego, well, in Los Angeles. Um, I always think San Diego still. Um, in Los Angeles, the Chargers lost that game 22 10. 22-10, yeah. They were held to 198 total yards. It's the fewest they've had in a game since 2014. That defense in Baltimore is very stout. That defense is a top five unit in the league right now. I don't see the Baltimore Ravens letting Phillip Rivers, an aging Phillip Rivers, who always struggles in the playoffs, win this game. I don't think they are, especially at home in Baltimore. I don't think that the Ravens are going to give much slack to Phillip Rivers in this game. Um, I don't think they'll be able to get it going. I think that the Baltimore Ravens will run away with this game. Ravens up on the Chargers, and they move on to the divisional round. And last but not least, we have one more game of the weekend. It's tomorrow afternoon as well. It's the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Chicago Bears. And just one simple note for you, Nick Foles is 12-4 and four from December to February since 2013. Yeah, Dylan, but the Eagles have to go to Chicago. And Chicago, the Bears, for the most part of the season, have been very dominant at home. And they got some guy named Khalil Mack, Dylan, who's been t- giving the quarterbacks nightmares. Now, you got to watch out for the Eagles with, of course, as you mentioned, Nick Foles. You got on, on the defense side of the ball, Brandon Graham. And, you know... These are going to be players, Dylan, that the defense, the Eagles defense has to keep them in the game in order for Nick Foles to have a chance to get the upset. But the Bears, and I know they got Mitch Trubisky. It's going to be his first playoff game out there. So it'll be curious to see how effective he is. But for Mitch Trubisky, I think the Bears are going to keep the offense pretty simple. You know, run the ball, give it to Tyreek Cohen, give him the burning game, keep it simple, short passes, throw the deep ball for the Bears. And with that offense, we know they can score points. So I expect the Bears to win at home and knock out the Super Bowl champions. In this game, it's tough for me. I I think that with Philadelphia, they've been playing very well. They won the last three games of their season to make it to the playoffs. I think that they're on a high right now. Have they been gassed? I don't know. We'll have to see. Nick Foles got injured last week. We don't know if he's up to 100% or not. Um, but I think that Nick Foles can be the savior for this team once again. Will they make it to the Super Bowl this year? No, they won't. Because there are other teams in the NFC that are much better than the Philadelphia Eagles. But I will tell you this. The last time the Chicago Bears went to the playoffs was 2010. They lost in the conference championship game to the Green Bay Packers. In this game, Chicago the fans are going to be driving this game. I think if the fans show up for this game and Khalil Mack and that defense show up as well, I think there are going to be some good things for Chicago. Um, I think the Eagles are going to make it 
a game. I think they're going to make it very, very close in this game. And Nick Foles, I mean, who knows? It could go either way. At this point, though, in my thinking, I think the Chicago Bears will win this game because Khalil Mack has done wonders with this defense this year. He is the bull in the China shop, as you will. So I think he'll ruin the party for the Philadelphia Eagles and send them home early and continue into the divisional weekend. I think the Bears will win this game um, in Chicago. So reward the team, with reward the fans with another week of playoff football, and uh, we'll see how far they can go in the playoffs. All right, Dylan, well, let's talk about what happened after the conclusion of Week 17 last week. Of course, it's the NFL's Black Monday, or something called the purge of the NFL, where coaches get their pink slip and expect to get fired. So we had eight, currently we have eight uh, job openings in the NFL. The Buccaneers, down the road from us, New York Jets, the Broncos, the Cleveland Browns, the Cardinals, the Dolphins, the Bengals, and the Packers. So Dylan, out of these jobs that have been open, was there any that maybe surprised you? And maybe who you think one of these teams might try to get as a big-name coach to try to bring in? Because I know what the most people were talking about was these coaches like four out of the eight jobs are African-American coaches, but, you know, Marvin Lewis wasn't getting it done in Cincinnati 16 years. He hasn't gotten it done. Hadn't won a playoff game. Yeah. Okay, understand. Todd Bowles, defensive coach. First year you win 10 games, but since then you only won like like four. So he didn't get it done. Okay, Vance Joseph of the Denver Broncos. I just don't think John L.A. and him were never like a good fit, like, you know, system-wise or – understood wise he wanted to do something different and he just never bought into what John Elliott wanted to do and of course John Elliott screwed up the quarterback situation because you brought Brock Osweiler Case Keenum all these players it wasn't Vance Joseph's fault it wasn't Vance Joseph's fault at all if he had Peyton Manning they would have gone to the Super Bowl the past two years I think that it's Vance Joseph was dealt a very very bad hand in Denver he wasn't given enough um, sample size to move on as the head coach. Now, if Jim, if uh, John Elway would have actually gotten him a quarterback to play, then I think he would have actually done pretty well. But again, Case Keenum this year, he did a good job with Minnesota last year. Um, he led them in the playoff push. I think that Case Keenum was the best quarterback they've had, but Vance Joseph couldn't get it done. They had to fire him. So looking at all these teams, um, you have to look at one what are the most attractive jobs, which I would have to say probably out of all these teams, surprisingly, the best job to me would probably be the Cleveland Browns because they're a, they're a complete team. That team is very, very stout on the defensive side of the ball. And just by watching Baker Mayfield lead his team the past few weeks um, and the record they had, I mean, I think, I think they were like, what, five and eight? three or something like that it was something crazy like that that if he had come in earlier in the season imagine the Cleveland Browns would have gone to the Super Bowl it would have gone to the playoffs at least not the Super Bowl let's not get ahead of ourselves (laughs) I didn't mean to say Super Bowl but the playoffs so I mean that's huge if they would have won one more game or two more games they would have gone to the Super they would have gone to the Super Bowl playoffs (laughs) the playoffs man isn't that crazy no I I totally agree that I think Cleveland's the a top job. Uh, it's going to be interesting what the Arizona Cardinals do. Uh, I know it was kind of harsh to let Steve Wilkes go after one season. Mm, one season. Well, I know they done. weren't doing well. You got to get it still, done after one year. So, and the Packers, we know with Aaron Rodgers, that's uh, to me another attractive job. 
I know they're trying to, to find an offensive guru to fit with Aaron Rodgers the way he plays, but it's the Green Bay Packers. But, and also, you look at their wide receiver situation, like, they're, they don't have a good offensive unit. Aaron Rodgers is the offense. That's the thing. Um, they, they have Jimmy Graham, which he's, he's good, and he's a good tight end. He ha- they have some other wide receivers around them that you've never heard their names before. Um, Randall Cobb is still there, but that's like the only big piece that Aaron Rodgers still has on the Green Bay offense. So that job, that's the reason why I picked the Browns over the, over the Packers, because the Browns actually have a complete team already. They just need a few pieces that complement Baker Mayfield to where they will blow up next season. But I just, uh, with the Packers, there's nothing else there besides Aaron Rodgers. I can't give you a positive on the offensive side of the ball instead of him. Uh, you, you can't. So their run game turned out pretty well. Uh, they had several running backs that played pretty well. Williams played a little bit over there. Um, they ha- also had another backup running back, too. I forgot their names. Because, again, they're no-name running backs. But they did a good job with what they had. Uh, I don't think Joe Philbin will get that job at all. I think Joe Philbin should remain an assistant coach like he was before. But it, it's going to be interesting to see the coaching carousel to see w- what goes into place. Uh, I know Vance Joseph is looking at the Cincinnati job. I think that Cincinnati will probably hire him, if not Hugh Jackson, which that would be a very stupid decision by Cincinnati. I think that they should stay away from Hugh Jackson. Don't listen to uh, Marvin Lewis even said, I think he'd be a great head coach here in Cincinnati. Don't listen to him. You just fired him, okay? Jesus Christ, don't listen to his ideas. Um, Vance Joseph would be a good fit for Cincinnati, I think. I mean, he has he has um, a good relationship with the owner and the coaches there. Um, I think that would be a good fit for Vance Joseph and the Cincinnati Bengals. But um, looking at these other jobs, Josh McDaniels is interviewing for some of them. Um, Kingsbury from USC was looking at some of these jobs too, although USC is saying, hell to the no, you ain't talking to our coach yet. Um, which we'll see if There's that been changes. There's rumors that Bruce Arians is looking at Tampa Bay, the Buccaneers, since he kind of knows Jameis Winston and he knows their, their GM. So that's certainly a possibility for the Bucks. So, And the Jets, who knows where they go, or the Broncos. But, yeah, Dylan, the, the offseason is already kicking off for some of the teams who are not in the playoffs. Speaking of teams not in the playoffs, there's a lot of talk this week about Pittsburgh because they came up short, and there was talk about Oh, should they keep Mike Thomas? Should I let him go after the way their season ended in a train wreck? Ben Roethlisberger's getting older. He ain't getting younger. And now there's talk that not only Le'Veon Bell wants out of town, but Antonio Brown wants out of town now. Well, Antonio Brown missed. So he was in a practice with Big Ben. Apparently he threw a football at Big Ben because he wasn't playing. He wasn't doing the play that he wanted to play or something um, it led to him walking off the field saying, I'm done. He never asked for a trade officially, but he just said, I'm done. Um, and that kind of hinted to the whole organization that he wanted out of Pittsburgh. At this point, Mike Tomlin has addressed the issues, saying that they will address these issues with Antonio Brown if he decides to come back. Um, they haven't talked about trades or anything, but he is doing things in preparation for a trade. Like um, big news coming out today for Big Ben. Big Ben is actually restructuring his contract and extending his contract to where he'll be there a few more years to spread out money a little bit further. Just in case Antonio Brown leaves, they can sign some more people and clear out some more cap space. So that's huge news coming out of Pittsburgh. Um, and if Antonio Brown leaves, that's just a, it's a dumpster fire in Pittsburgh right now. People are leaving left and right 
I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster, yes, he is the number one wide receiver, but it might be because he was getting double covered, or Antonio Brown was getting double covered the entire season. So you have to think, is it really a good thing to get rid of Antonio Brown? I know he is a, a, a disease in the locker room. The players are not liking the way he's been acting recently. Um, he won't return Big Ben's texts or phone calls. There are several players who are out, out, you know, just wondering what, where he's at and why is he, he isn't communicating with them. Um, he was actually on a TV show the other night on Fox called The Masked Singer, which Pittsburgh fans were pissed seeing him on that show after he hasn't been communicating with the team at all. So I don't know. I mean, with Antonio Brown, he's a great wide receiver. Is he arrogant? Yes. Is he cocky? Yes. Do you think that he his um, he's kind of like a Des Bryant essentially at this point? He's gotten to the level where he just doesn't think about the team. He thinks about himself. And Ryan Clark even talked about that on ESPN this week, saying that he just once he became the superstar, he just didn't really care about the team. He cared about himself and how he performed and the money he was receiving. And that's just not a good mindset going into a football team. So um, if he does leave Pittsburgh, who do you think will be the number one suitor for Antonio Brown? Well, I would say Dallas, but they got Mari Cooper and a whole crowd of wide receivers. So, oh man, where would he go? Obviously, Green Bay would be a top pick if they can get him. If they can get him, but does but does Aaron Rodgers does he actually want that in the locker room? Probably not. That's the thing. We know the Raiders would take him. Oh, the Raiders will take him. John Gruden would love to have and then release him after six weeks. (laughs) So. I don't know, maybe Miami. I mean, he's going to have a little options. We would love to have him in Tennessee, but who knows how we can make that work. Again, so, locker room. I, I, I don't know. I think I know, it would ruin the locker room if we decide to bring him in. So there are going to be suitors out there for him because he's going to be a hot commodity. Um, I don't know if the the price is going to be worth it because it's going to be a very, very steep price, price tag for him if they decide to trade him. Um, even if they release him. I mean, the, caps, the cap hit they take for getting rid of Antonio Brown is going to be huge. And so it's going to hurt their team overall if they decide to get cut ties with Antonio Brown. But at this point, I don't see this team mending any fences. You know, I don't see them building the bridge and and, um, and fixing what's happening here. So it's going to be very inter- interesting to watch. So let's keep an eye on that. Um, speaking of week 17, when we were talking about earlier, let's talk about the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee Titans played against the Indianapolis Colts in Nashville. It's the first time the Titans have been on Sunday night football in God knows how long. Um, and Marcus Mariota didn't play. That was one of the biggest pieces of news that came out of that game was that the morning of, or the week before during practice that week, Marcus Mariota was seen throwing. There were videos on Twitter of him throwing the ball, looking pretty good. Um, wide receivers were doing well with him, things of that nature. And then the morning of the game, at like 9 a.m. in the morning, Chris Mortensen from from NFL and ESPN um, tweets out saying, Marcus Mariota's probably not going to play today. Threw everybody for a loop because we had seen all this great footage of Marcus Mariota practicing, and it looked pretty good. So come to find out, it looks like the stinger that he suffered could possibly be a career-threatening injury that was kind of plagued by the injury he got back in week one against Miami. So 
he decided not to play. It wasn't really his decision, he said. He said if he could have gone out there, he would have. But other people in the organization told him not to, to help his future, to to make sure he does not get injured just so the Titans can keep Marcus Mariota for at least another year, if not more. So in that situation, JT, do you think Marcus made the right You think the organization made the right choice by starting Blaine Gabbert instead and ultimately losing against the Indianapolis Colts? Well, like we said, Dylan, the Titans have already made that commitment that Marcus Mariota is our future, and they're committed to that. And like I said, with the Stinger injury, I know on Monday it was a hot debate in Nashville that either you're for Marcus Mariota or you hate Marcus Mariota. And I know a lot of Titans fans are frustrated that he keeps getting injured all the time, can't stay healthy. But remember, he played hurt last year and carried us into the playoffs, and we upset the Chiefs when no one gave us a shot to beat the Chiefs in Kansas City. But we got it done. Yeah, we got a buzz for the Patriots, but that's a different story. You know, and this year, Titans, you know, being after having a slow start, was picking it up, getting hot, and then we lost some crucial games towards the end of the stretch and came down to a must-win game against the Colts for us to get in. And Blaine Gabbert, he did okay this season. When he started the game, I thought he was nervous. He seemed a little shaky out there. I don't know if he didn't feel confident, which I didn't know how he could be proud of because he got most of the snaps this week. And when we started the game off, you know, we were we, the, we were lucky that we were still in the game being down 14 nothing or 14-3 because the Colts were getting penalties, the Colts were turning the ball over, and our defense got a touchdown and gets back in the game. So, Jayon Brown, baby. Yeah, Ooh. so we were in there, and then we were down 17-24-17, <laughs> and then towards the fourth quarter in the beginning of that game, Blaine Gabbert goes down. You know, he's trying to throw the ball over to get to one of the receivers and throws an interception, and that pretty much was how the game ended. And Blaine Gabbert, you know, he just, just wasn't ready to step in that moment. And Marcus Mariota, look, I know he's had injury issues and everything, but – when you deal with the neck injury, that's something that's serious. I mean, remember what happened with Peyton Manning. The last year with the Colts, he has dealing with the neck injury, and he basically had to sit out the rest of the season. So with Mariota, look, if he's got to protect him staying for next year, that's a sacrifice you're willing to make. Yeah, we make the playoffs? No. But we got folks next year because, look, in the AFC South, you got the Colts right now. Andrew Luck, you know, hot. All they're going to care is momentum next year. You got the Houston Texans with their defense and Deshaun Watson. Are they going to be able to carry it to keep this momentum going next year? The only thing that looks like it's going down right now is the Jaguars because they're going to let Blake Bortles go. We don't know what's going to happen with them. So the Titans got to keep themselves up in the hunt for next year and get ready for you know a tough battle in the AFC. And our schedule next year, Dylan, is going to be pretty tough next year. We have the Saints coming to town next year. So it's going to be a big, big test for the Titans going forward in the offseason. Yeah, we have a, t- a tough schedule for next year. And this year, it wasn't an easy schedule. It wasn't a cakewalk. We had a tough schedule this year, too. And also, looking at the playoffs with the Titans, no one's really been talking about this. With Marcus Mariota, if we had played Marcus Mariota last week and won the game, how far do you think we would have actually gone to the playoffs? We at- made it to the divisional round. You think so? You think we would have beat the, t- t- oh, the if, Houston if Texans? Oh, no, if Tennessee made the playoffs... No, we're not beating Houston. No, no. no. The only way we'd have, we would have advanced in the playoffs is if we would have had the bye week because there were several things that could have happened where we could have clinched the AFC South and we could have also clinched the number two seed, which would give us the bye week and we would have gone into the divisional round automatically. 
Um, that wasn't going to happen anyway. I knew that wasn't going to happen. So at this point, people were getting upset that Marcus wasn't playing and, and Marcus wasn't going to go out there with his boys and win this game so we can go to the playoffs. But listen, if you're talking about the longevity of a career and you're also talking about a player who could win this game, who could go out there and win the game most likely, but at the same time, you're going to the playoffs with a roster that's not very good. Overall, that team was not very good. I don't think they could capture the moment in the playoffs. I think if they would have played against the Texans today, Texans would probably be up 14-0 at this point. It's the other way around right now because the Colts are, are winning against the Texans, unfortunately. Um, but Tennessee just, I don't think they would have gone far in the playoffs in the first place. Am I being um, skeptical about my team? A little bit. I mean, I think that with the t- Titans, I, I'm a Titans fan through and through. I'm going to be a Titans fan for the next 30, 40, 50 years. But at this point, take the loss. Just let Marcus rest. Let him rest in the offseason. Let him get a full offseason to prepare, to train, get Delaney Walker back, get Jarrell Casey back, get some solid pieces on offense and defense back to where you can actually make a solid push next season. I know we keep saying next year's the year, next year's the year, next year's the year. But at this point, it's it's ringing true again. It, next year is the year for us. I think we can actually make it to the playoffs year, next year and make some noise. But Marcus was not going to lead us again like he did last season against the Chiefs. He was not going to lead us again in the playoffs. Um, and I think he would have probably been injured um, pretty badly if he had actually gone um, in that game. So I think it was a good decision by the Titans to do that. Um, and hopefully next season we can actually do some things. But like you said, next season's schedule does not look very good for us. We have a tough home slate and a tough away slate. Um, let's talk about some of those games, uh, JT. What you said the Saints game, they're actually coming into town. Um, that's going to be a huge game for the Tennessee Titans. Um, what other teams are you looking at next season that might be um, hazardous for the Tennessee Titans? Yeah, Dylan, the Titans, like I mentioned, they're going to have a tough schedule coming up for next year. Of course, the Saints won, but then we also going to have to play, to play the Falcons. we got to play the Carolina team. Uh, we still got to play our usual like Houston and Indianapolis. But we also got the Chargers and the Chiefs on the schedule as well. So these those, of course, playoff teams, uh, except Carolina Atlanta, of course. But it's going to be a tough schedule. And the Titans, let's, let's see. Hope we can get through it okay and we can make a deep playoff run um one piece of news dylan that i wanted to share before we talk about some college football speaking of college football uh, according to bleacher report they are saying that cliff kingsbury may resign from usc because of his low buyout at usc he could resign after the ad blocked nfl interview request wow that's that's huge news which i mean i think He'd be smart to do he's so. He's a lot of attention from the NFL, so he's probably figuring, hey, if I got 20 teams calling me, I might as well give it a shot. Why not? Yeah, why can't I get, why can't I get some interviews at least? I mean, that might make it to where USC says, okay, listen, we'll let you interview for these teams, and we won't make it a media circus here at USC. That might be good for him. That might be a good thing that he's doing. Um, I'm guessing his agent is probably saying, hey, guess what? Let's just do this. Let's say that you're going to resign and see if USC works with you a little bit um, because that would look bad for the school. That would look really bad for USC. So let's see if that actually happens. Uh, that would be really interesting. That was going to be a piece of news we were going to talk about, him getting blocked by uh, 
USC to interview for these head coaching positions in the NFL. But let's talk about it for a second. Do you really think he can be um, successful in the NFL? And what team do you think he has the most, uh, the best shot of landing? Man, I, I don't know. He did play in the NFL. I know he didn't play very long in the NFL before he ended up at Texas Tech. But he did play with the Patriots, so that's got to count for something. But Cliff Kingsbury, look, a lot of NFL teams are trying to look for offensive-minded coaches. And I think the reason why a lot of them are going to the college ranks because these teams can score a lot of points, and these defensive coaches are getting too stagnant. And a coach, as you see, the old coaches move around from place to place to place. And do you see the, the teams regress year after year instead of going up, 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 with the exception of a few teams that have been consistent, like you know the Rams, of course the Patriots, and I mean look at Bill Belichick. He loses coordinators left and right every season. Like Nick Saban in Alabama, every year he's losing coordinators, but yet his team is always still at the top. So for Cliff Kingsbury, I feel that he, if he can get somewhere where there's either an already established quarterback or maybe a young quarterback that he can develop, like I don't know about the situation with Miami. But Miami, I know they are moving on from Ryan Tannehill. He's gone. Oh, yeah, he's done. So if they get a young rookie quarterback that can get there, I think that might be a good spot for him. I think if he goes, obviously, Cleveland, you got Baker Mayfield. I mean, he's in the Big 12. He coached the Big 12. That could be an, an option that he can be an offensive coordinator. At. That's, and he's going to be an offensive coordinator. I don't think he's going to be a coach, like an NFL coach, but an offensive coordinator. If he goes – to Green Bay, I mean, that could be an option as well. So if he's going to be in a team, it's going to be a, either an established quarterback or a young coach that's up and coming in the NFL. That's, to me, two best options. So you think he's going to be an offensive coordinator instead of a head coach? I believe so. I could be wrong, but I, I believe he's going to be an offensive coordinator. I agree with you. I think that would be the best move. However, I know how the NFL is. I know how some of these teams are. Cleveland, Cincinnati, Denver. They always liked getting these brand new head coaches and they don't even care about you know where they came from they're like oh you were a head coach before come on in we'll we'll put you in the head coach position well there's been a few college coaches not many but a few that have done like jim harbaugh when he left stanford and went to san francisco he's he's done okay and then of course we saw what happened he, he went to michigan but since then dylan there really hasn't been a lot of college coaches we saw uh, what's his name? Uh, Chip Kelly. Yeah. And that was a disaster. So. Well, he was successful for one season. Yeah. And that turned out to be a disaster. Um, and then Greg Schiano down here at Tampa Bay with the Buccaneers of a few seasons ago. Disaster as so, well. So, yeah. It's been a few hit and misses. I, I did love his approach to um, end of game, though, when they were going, when they're going in the victory, for, victory formation. Don't ever stop. Just keep going. Try to get the football. Do whatever you can. So those guys were jumping over the line of scrimmage and all that. It's it great. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think that he definitely needs to be an offensive coordinator first before he jumps into a head coaching position in the NFL because that's, like, your time to shine. If you mess up as a head coach in the NFL, you, you saw it this year with the with um, uh, the first-year coach, Steve Wilkes. I mean, he got out after the first year. They fired him after the first year because he was doing so bad. So... I mean, if you're a Cliff Kingsbury and you see that kind of situation unfolding in the NFL, I would be wary of it. I would say, you know what? Let's probably just make it to where I'm an offensive coordinator so I actually keep my job um, for more than just a season and get my feet wet in the NFL and then go from there. I think a head coaching position in his future is sustainable. I think something can happen with him being a head coach 
Um, but his first season, I think he needs to be an offensive coordinator. All right, Dylan, on that note, let's talk about college football. We had a lot of bowl games. We're not going to recap all the bowl games, but we had some uh, college football playoff action as well. And, of course, speaking of coaching carousel, we got that affecting college football as well. So let's start with the national or the college football playoff semifinals last Saturday. Notre Dame got crushed by Clemson, 30-3. to Trevor Lawrence played a brilliant game, and that defense suffocated Notre Dame. They, Ian Brooke couldn't get much going on offensively, and I was very surprised Clemson was uh, getting it done against Notre Dame pretty easily. I know the Georgia players were, who I'll talk about in a minute, criticized the college football playoff game, saying the four best teams, and you got Notre Dame getting beat up by Clemson? Really? So, and then they got beat up in their game. So (laughs) that's why I say we'll talk about it in a minute. But speaking of that, the other playoff game, a really good game, Alabama against Oklahoma. Alabama was dominating the first half. Uh, Tua was going down the field and getting touchdowns. It looked like it was going to be a blowout, but Oklahoma, Kyler Murray, started leading the offense, getting the Sooners, getting them to come back, and it's getting late. But in the end, the Crimson Tide hanged on for the 45-34 win. So now Dylan for the fourth year in a row, we got Clemson against Alabama in playing against each other. Now, in the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl, our beloved UCF Knights were in Arizona taking on LSU. And I know LSU, they beat us 40-32. to 32, But, look, the, the, that first quarter was insane. It was insane. <laughs> it was insane. UCF was on a hot 14-3. Uh, it was going back and forth since then. And LSU was dominant. UCF made a late push comeback. And... People were on Twitter were saying, oh, UCF, they couldn't beat a LSU team that was missing a majority of the defensive players, and they had a, a player rejected during the game. I'm like, guys, we didn't have Mackenzie Milton. Believe me. Mackenzie if, Milton would have been a difference in that game. If we had him in that game, we would have won. And the fact that UCF only lost by eight points. That's huge. I mean, come on. we went UCF, to me, Dylan, okay, this streak, 25-game win streak is over. But UCF knew that was coming at some point. And... The fact that they lost by eight points, they went toe-to-toe in back-to-back years with two SEC teams, and they're one-on-one. They beat Auburn last season, and they beat and they lost to LSU. So they go to show that UCF, Dylan, they got Pitt and Stanford in their schedule next season. This They proved to me, Dylan, that they deserve to at least be in the conversation, get more consideration for a playoff. And we know going into the national championship game, Dylan, there was a lot of debate about Expand the playoff. Let's go to the six or eight teams and make it more even out. And we talked about like the Pac-12. The, the last team that was in was Washington. That was like two years ago. Uh, the Big 12, we only had Oklahoma. That's it the last couple of seasons. The Big 10, they haven't gotten anybody since Ohio State won back in 2014. They won the first college football playoff. And they haven't gotten anybody since. So... That's why everyone's talking. We'll see what happens. I don't expect it to happen anytime soon, but it's, if it's, it's going to happen, it will most likely be around between 2020 to 2022. It's going to be halfway between this current contract and before it expires. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens to that. Speaking of Washington, they did play Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. Urban Meyer gets his last win, 28-23. It was a close win, too. Yeah. It was a very close game at the very end of that game, mm-hmm. and... Urban Meyer was happy to get that win, uh, squeak by with a five-point win over Washington. Washington was chomping at their heels the entire game, but Ohio State pulled it out, uh, and Haskins is going to be looking really good for the NFL. I think I don't think he's 
declared yet that he's going to the NFL draft, has he? I don't think he, he has. He hasn't declared yet, but I'm pretty sure he's going to go. I think he's going to go. If, if he does go, he'll be one of the top prospects at quarterback um, going into the draft and especially going into um, the combine. But um, just going back to UCF real quick, just imagine UCF. Uh, they've been talking about this for a while now, too, um, especially this season. The talk's been kind of ramping up that what if they go to a different conference? What if they go to a Power 5 conference instead of the conference they're in right now? Um, and that would be huge for UCF. I think if UCF went to a, a Power 5 conference, I think they would be a contender every single season. And I think that with that head coach and the way they played this year, their recruiting is going to be much better than it was. Um, it's not going to slump like they thought it would when Scott Frost left for Nebraska because obviously that was a dumpster fire up there in Nebraska. But... Uh, Scott Hupel is playing. I mean, uh, Hupel. I don't know what his first Josh Hupel. Josh Hupel. Whatever. Um, it's okay. I butchered his name last month. So uh, yeah. you're all good. Uh, Hupel is is a good head coach. Uh, he he did a good job with that team defensively. They need to work on it, and I think they can recruit really well with def- defense. But their offense is solid. I think their offense can do great things. They're one of the fastest offenses in college football. They're very attractive for another conference. I mean, if a Power Five conference looked at UCF and said, "You know what?" we actually want them on our schedule every single season, then, I mean, that might be a good thing for the UCF Golden Knights. So look at that as well. That might be something that um, happens quicker than them expanding the college football playoff. And um, we'll see if something happens there, if any dominoes fall. But yes, with Ohio State, going back to that game, um, huge win by Jim Harbaugh. And as of right now, it looks like he's going to be in a front office position as the AD, I believe, at Ohio State. So that's going to be huge. Yeah, very interesting news there, Dylan. All right, let's talk about my Texas Longhorns, hashtag Hook'em, as they defeated the Georgia Bulldogs in New Orleans at the Sugar Bowl this week. Uh, No one expected that. I did not expect us to beat Georgia, but we came out gun blazing. We were up, Dylan, 20-7 to at halftime, and Georgia made a late push towards the end of the in the fourth quarter, but we hung on to get the win for Texas. Uh, this is our first 10-win season, Dylan, since 2009. Wow. And even though after the game, Sal Unger said, hey, guys, we're back. <laughs> Maybe a little nervous, but I'm yeah. very happy that Texas, I me mean, being a Texas fan, being so down on them for so long, and to finally see them, you know, rise up and, and get back and have a quarterback. Because remember, since Colt McCoy, Dylan, We've bounced around through a carousel of quarterbacks, and that's why we've been so inconsistent for so long. And now we got a quarterback that, I mean, Texas did good this year. We were in the playoff hunt. We didn't get in, but we were very competitive all season. And now it's something we didn't do the season before. And after this win against Georgia Dillon, I'm very optimistic with the Longhorns that we can compete, win the Big 12. We know Kyler Murray's going to be gone. So I think we're going to win. We got a good chance to win the Big 12 next year, and we could be in the playoff next season so Ellinger what year is he I believe he's a sophomore right sophomore okay that's good well he'll have at least one more season with you guys um if he decides to declare for the draft after next season he could um but I mean that that was a solid game Georgia got caught flat-footed very very quickly in that game and they just could not respond at all I mean they did they did try to come back in the end of the game but it just was too much um at that point they couldn't overcome the deficit they had they had caused in that game but I mean, Georgia did not look good at all in that game. Um, at that point, you got to have to be happy that they didn't make it to the college football playoff because that game would have been atrocious anyway. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, looking at the college football playoff, these first two games were not very good. Um, we'll talk about the next one. We'll talk about the championship game in just a moment. But um, Alabama and Clemson just ran away with both of their games, and it was expected. We all expected those things to happen. We thought Notre Dame would pop probably try to put up a fight with Clemson that didn't work out at all um, and Notre Dame once again proved that they don't deserve to be in the college football playoff ever because they just cannot get over the hump of winning their first college football playoff game um, you know and then also with Alabama Alabama just ran all over Oklahoma could not Oklahoma couldn't stop them at all it was it was the Tua show that entire game and um, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens in the college football playoff which we're talking about now with the championship game it's gonna be Alabama versus Clemson number four this is gonna be I believe the third time they've met in the college football playoff championship game um yeah 2015 2016 and now 2018 that that's Since 2019 but yeah 2018 season. yeah so in last season they met in the semifinal yes and then um Clemson lost yeah and Alabama moved on but in this game, it's going to be Dabo Sweeney versus Nick Saban. And we'll have to see who is the better head coach in this position. Um, Dabo is probably still uh, spinning about the game last year. I think he wants to go out there and prove that he can uh, play, coach toe-to-toe with Nick Saban throughout the game, um, at least make it competitive. Do you think that with this, with their quarterback in Clemson, do you think he can actually take over in that game and win against an Alabama defense that is led by some very, very good players and very, very good NFL prospects as well. Trevor Lawrence has proven during season, Dylan, that he can hang with the best teams. And the ACC is a really good conference. They hung in there against Syracuse. They dominated against Florida State. They won the ACC championship against Pitt, the Pitt Panthers and, of course, Notre Dame. And we'll see how he does against Alabama. This is a different defense, different uh uh, SEC defense that's going to run and chase you around the field, but I think Trevor Lawrence still can hang with it, and he's going to keep it close. Clemson in it. Are they? Do I think they're going to win? And honestly, I think Alabama Dillon is on another level. They've beaten every test this year and dominated. They've beaten Georgia. They dominated Oklahoma, who has the high-powered offense. We knew their defense couldn't stop nobody. Now Clemson's defense is really good. They're a lot better than Oklahoma's, so I think they can slow down to a and keep the game close. But in the end, Dylan, we got history. Bama's trying to go for the third straight title. uh, Not third straight, but third title in four years. And if Nick Saban wins, Dylan, this will be his sixth championship at Alabama. Sixth. Seventh overall because he won back in 2003 with LSU, which is just unheard of this day in college football. And, of course, you got Dabo Sweeney trying to get Clemson to win uh, second title in three seasons. And people keep complaining all the time. Oh, Clemson, Alabama, we're tired of seeing them. We want to see somebody else. But they've proven Dylan have been the best teams. And so somebody beats these two teams, that's just the way it is. Yeah. I mean, I, I think watching the Clemson and Notre Dame game, it was a cakewalk for Clemson. So in my mind, I think that's something that might hurt them in the long run, especially in this championship game, because their competition was not good. I think that Notre Dame was a hyped-up team. I had very high hopes for Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame was playing well during the season, yes. Um, but I just think that they just did not play to the full extent they should have played. Um, but they just laid a goose egg. And Clemson, it was a cakewalk for them going into the college football championship game. 
Um, Alabama actually had some sort of test against Oklahoma, a little bit at least. So I think Alabama has the advantage here because they played stiffer competition in the first round. Um, we'll see. I mean, we'll see. I think that Alabama will do a really good job in this game. I think Clemson might keep it close, um, but I, I think that the the bright lights will affect Trevor Lawrence. I don't think that Trevor Lawrence will be able to um, rise to the occasion like a Deshaun Watson did against the Alabama uh, defense. I think that Alabama will run away with this one, um, and I think they'll definitely win his seventh national championship, which uh, it's getting old. Like you said, it is getting old to just say, hey, Nick Saban won it again, but he just can keep doing it. Uh, I think that his next move, in my mind, if I were Nick Saban, I would want to say I've won a championship at two different colleges, national championships, and I also won the Lombardi Trophy in the NFL. That That's what I would want to do if I were him. I think that he can make the jump to the NFL now, well, here he did. He went to Miami. Well, no, yes, but he didn't. He wasn't successful in Miami. Um, I think that if he did, made the jump today, he already had the experience in the NFL before. He kind of knows what to expect now. I think he'd be successful. I think he'd be able to get the guys, the pieces around him, the coordinators around him, um, and the right players too, to get them in the mindset of a winning culture wherever he went. So I think that. Nick Saban should listen to at least some offers. See if there's a team that might come up over and ask about him because um, if I were him, I would definitely listen to some offers. Yeah, we'll, we'll see, Dylan. we got eight coaching jobs open, so who knows? I'm sure Nick Saban gets a phone call from an NFL team every year. So maybe, you're right, Dylan, maybe there might be a team that piques his interest. Uh, speaking of college football coaches, though, let's talk about the college football character real quick. Uh, the U, Miami. Uh, Mark Rick announced earlier this week that he's going to retire um, after being with school for three years. And the University of Miami decided to hire Manny Diaz after only being at Temple for two weeks. Now, Miami Diaz is a Miami native, and he probably took a job at Temple knowing, wasn't expecting Mark Rick to retire. So they're saying it's all of a sudden just happened. But according to um, Brent Murphy, who was on Stadium, who I watched the territory this week, he was saying that Mark Rick wanted his son to be like a coach in waiting situation, and the athletic director from Miami said, no, we're not doing that. So he wasn't unhappy about that. There was a rift, and that's basically why he decided to retire. And Miami went in a different direction now, bringing Manny Diaz. We'll see how that goes. The University of Houston, the Cougars, they fired Major Applewhite, former Texas quarterback, uh, after his team got blown out in their bowl game 70-14 to to Army. And they decided to hire... Daniel Holgerson, the former West Virginia head coach of the Big 12, on a five-year contract. Now, Dylan Daniel Dana Holgerson has ties to Texas because he was the offensive coordinator at the University of Houston from 2008-2010, I believe, when Kevin Sublin was the coach there. So they brought him in to coach that team, and then that will give UCF some competition, of course. And West Virginia, they made the move to hire Neil Brown from Troy, the Troy University, the Troy Trojans. So he had one, I think, went 31-8 the last three seasons, 10 seasons each year for Troy. So he's done very well for them. And another college coaching news, uh, Kevin Sumlin, speaking of him, he's at Arizona. He just announced that he has hired former Tennessee Titans running back DeMarco Murray as an assistant to the college there. Wow. 
Look at that. DeMarco Murray going into the coaching game really quickly, too. This is, what, second season now that he's been out of the NFL. That's huge news for him. Congratulations to DeMarco Murray. But um, looking at those two coaching hires, I mean, they're they're both offensive-minded coaches, too. So we're still turning towards the offensive coach. Um, Dana Holgerson, that was a great move by him because, of course, Will Greer's leaving. He's not going to be at West Virginia next year, so he has to move on to the NFL. And they already lost their offensive coordinator, Jake Spevitzall. He went to Texas State. Exactly. So at that point, why would you not take that job in Houston, especially since you already have ties there? And Neil Brown from Troy, that's another offensive-minded coach. He has um, bigger shoes to fill in West Virginia. I think that's a good team compared to what Troy is expected to be. So higher expectations for Neil Brown in West Virginia, but um, a good hire all around. I think both teams made uh, good choices at head coach. So let's move on to some basketball news. In the NBA, LeBron James got injured during the Christmas game against the Golden State Warriors and has a groin injury. He'll be out for the Lakers for a couple games at least, if not a few weeks. Um, I think the groin injury was like a two to four week diagnosis of coming back, staying out for two to four weeks. So that's kind of huge for the Lakers. Um, also, the Lakers are, I believe, one in three in the past four games since losing LeBron James. Do you think that they can overcome this? Is this something just kind of a growing pain kind of situation? Or does that does this show that LeBron James is the team, essentially? I don't know, Dylan. The Lakers are a young team, so I feel like this is a team that is kind of in the moment right now. The Lakers, when he was with them before he got injured, they were in fourth place. And since then, the Lakers have dropped to eighth place in the Western Conference. They've gone 3-7 and seven in their last 10 games. And, of course, the Lakers lost their most recent game against the New York Knicks, 119-112. <laughs> so we'll see if the Lakers can snap out the funk and get LeBron James. They said he's going to miss three more games before he comes back. So hopefully once he gets going, the Lakers can get going. But... I don't think the Lakers expect we don't. It's not like we expect LeBron James. I know he's done it everywhere else he's been, carried an NBA team the last eight something years to the NBA Finals. But I don't see him, Dylan, carrying the Lakers to the NBA Finals this season. What did I tell you last year? I told you LeBron James is gonna get injured. I don't know when it's gonna be. He's getting old, man. He's getting old. He's gonna (laughs) get injured. And guess what? He got injured. It wasn't during his time with Cleveland. Like I thought it was going to be last year, but it, it happened, and um, it, it's cost the Lakers a few games. So we'll see if LeBron can come back and be as dynamic as he was before the for the Lakers and um, keep Magic Johnson happy. That's pretty much all he's doing over there in Los Angeles. Let's talk about the Orlando Magic. They sit third in the Southeast Division, going 4-5 and five in the last 10 and sit 10th in the Eastern Conference. They lost to Minnesota what, Timberwolves last night. 120-103. They're not playing so well right now. There's a little funk in Orlando. They were playing pretty well before this, though. Um, Do you think they can make it back to that status they were at before um, before this slump? I think so, Dylan, but this is part of the process. You know, the Orlando Magic are having a young season right now. Uh, We know Nikola Vucic has been our best player. He's averaged over 20 points a game. D.J. Augustine has been our, our top assist goer. And the Magic, Dylan, are just going through a funk right now. We're winning some games. We're losing some games, snapping out of it. And we beat the Bulls early in the week before we lost the T-Wolves. We got the Clippers tomorrow. So we'll see if they can bounce back. But the East isn't as dominant right now as it is in the West. So the Magic's still in there. they still got time to turn around. 
one team that has been kind of surprising, though, is the Pacers. Even though they got Oladipo as a star player, that team is playing like a team right now. So the Pacers are definitely a team to watch out for in the Eastern Conference. But speaking of teams to watch out for, one team that we thought was really struggling and may not get out of funk, but have done really well lately, the Houston Rockets. Uh, they came back from 20 points deficit the other night to defeat the Golden State Warriors 135-134 to 134 in overtime. James Harden, Dylan, he had 44 points in that game. And in the last 12 games, he's averaged like 40 points per game. He's, he's insane. carrying the Rockets now. He's insane. Uh, he's, he's playing a really, really good uh, game this season. I think that he has come into his own. Even though he's been an offensive, he's been an offensive juggernaut the past few seasons. But right now, he is just carrying the Houston Rockets, and he is playing some really, really good basketball. Um, MVP status right here so far. I think that he is taking the lead in that in that competition going towards the end of the season. Um, if he plays like this, he's going to break some records uh, definitely. But averaging forty points a game in the past several games—that's absolutely unheard of. And Steph Curry said after that game, he said, "You just don't lose at home when you if you when you you can't lose at home when you're blowing twenty point leads. You just can't do that. You can't. You can't." All right. And the big marquee game that happened this week, Dylan, was the return of Kawhi Leonard, where he got booed. <laughs> he, he sure did. All right. As the Toronto Raptors played the San Antonio Spurs earlier this week, and the San Antonio Spurs absolutely crushed. The Raptors, 125 to 107. Both Kawhi Leonard and DeMar DeRozan, who got traded for each other, both got 21 points in the game. But the Spurs, Dylan, we've been on a tear lately. We were kind of struggling a little bit, but now we're in seventh place in the uh, Western Conference. So we're moving up on the Lakers, who are moving down. <laughs> and uh, we're doing really well right now. And Greg Popovich, he said after the game, look, I moved on, guys. I have no bitterness against Kawhi Leonard. He had to do his best for him. I moved on, and he gave him a big hug after the game. So it shows how great classy uh, great Popovich is and how you know he, he's not holding bears. He's trying to do his best for his team. And the Spurs are doing okay. And, hey, the Raptors, they're doing okay in the Eastern Conference. So we'll see if the Raptors can go deep, and we'll see if the Spurs can keep the winning streak going. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some NHL news. The Winter Classic happened on New Year's Day. And the Boston Bruins just gave it to the Chicago Blackhawks. We we put the Blackhawks on national television, not because they're a good team, but because we want to see how bad they are this season. And obviously, um, we saw that. So they were very bad. 4-2, to two, the Bruins won. Um, they just could not get it going. Patrick uh, Patrick Kane actually had a goal in that game, too. But it just they just couldn't get it going on offense. And the Boston Bruins made them pay. They got a empty net goal um, to make it 4-2 in the very end of the game. Um, solid game by Boston, though. Boston's been playing really good hockey this year. They're still up in the top five, five or so teams in the league. So Brad Marchand and the boys are keeping it going. They're playing really, really good hockey this year. And I don't think I don't see them stopping anytime soon. I think that they're going to be doing some good things this season. And uh, they're going to be a powerhouse going into the playoffs this year. Also, the NHL, during that game, announced the next Winter Classic. It's going to be at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, as the Dallas Stars will be playing host there. They have not announced an opponent yet. There is speculation that it might be the National Predators, but they want Nashville to possibly have their own Winter Classic game the next season or two seasons from then. Um, so there's still speculation about who the opponent's going to be. But we all know that Dallas Stars are going to be hosting that game in Dallas. And also... 
Um, Colorado will be playing an outdoor game at the U.S. Air Force Academy next season as well. So two outdoor games next season, which is pretty cool to see. Yeah, Gary Bettman, he was saying when they were making all the all-star announcements with uh, the coaches and the players. By the way, Alex Ovechkin will not be going to the all-star game this year. So he will suspended get suspended. one game. Yep. Like Slaton did in his, skipping his all-star game. But anyway, uh, yes. So Gary Bettman, what he said was they kind of want to go away from doing the outdoor classic, like all the north places, and kind of do it like in college towns, but kind of in non-traditional hockey markets. So he's mentioned like Los Angeles. He's mentioned Vegas, obviously Nashville, like you mentioned. And I've also heard a rumor that they're considering at some point putting a winter classic game here in Florida between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Florida Panthers. I don't know how it's going to work because it's pretty warm here in Florida right now. They uh, have to have some sort of technology that they can keep that ice cold. Maybe because Disney can get some fake snow and some ice. I, maybe, I don't know. maybe. Make it, make it work, but uh, that's one rumor I've heard as well. Maybe the Carolinas with the Hurricanes. But uh, we'll see, Dylan. I, I think the NHL is just looking for something different, kind of get a different niche market for these outdoor classic games because a lot of people feel they kind of been stagnant, going to the same places, same teams. Like how many times have you seen the Blackhawks in a winter classic game or uh, the Flyers or the Rangers? Yeah. The Bruins. The Bruins, yeah. No offense, Chris, but I'm just saying, you know, so many teams, the same teams in the winter classic. The Blackhawks is just redundant. They, they need a break. They need a break. They do. All right. Uh, speaking of teams in the Central Division, the St. Louis Blues, they've been announced as they're going to host the next All-Star game in 2020. So San Jose is hosting the All-Star game this year. Uh, but next year, it will be in St. Louis. And speaking of teams that have been hot lately, Dylan, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the last month for December, Dylan, they went 15-0-1. They didn't lose a regulation game at all. Their last loss, Dylan, was on November 28th. Since then, they've gotten 16 points, which is like the longest point streak in the league. And they have 66 points overall in the NHL, which is number one in the league. So the Lightning, Dylan, have been impressive this season. Yeah, they have. They've been playing some really, really good hockey. And, and there's talk that their coach, uh, John Cooper, is going to get an extension. Yeah, I mean, which he should at this point because that team is playing lights out right now. And all their superstars are playing. Even their player, the younger players, Braden Point and and Nikita Kucherov and the play all these players are playing really really well um and I don't see them slowing down anytime soon either they're going to be making a huge push to be the Eastern Conference uh champion and then moving on to Stanley Cup this year I think they're going to be um, a force to be reckoned with moving on into the playoffs but let's talk about our team let's talk about Washington and the National Predators so we'll start with the Predators first Predators are two and one in the past three games after they had a six-game losing streak, which was awful to watch, but it happens. They're on a road trip right now. They lost last night against the Detroit Red Wings, which is not a good team to lose to, simply because they're not a good hey, team anymore. Hey, we play them tomorrow, so we well, could lose. <laughs> hey, we'll see if they can actually pull it out. Um, we're playing up against Montreal tonight against Shea Weber, and this is going to be the first time that I believe Shea Weber's been on the ice and we've played since got, him since he moved since got, he moved to Montreal. Traded, yeah. yeah. So I, it'll be interesting to see that game. Um, PK Subban and Shea Weber getting at it a little bit. Um, but yeah, so we won against Washington and Philadelphia to start the year, which was great for us. Um, and then Detroit, we lost there. So hopefully we bounce back tonight. We've picked up Philip D Giuseppe from Carolina off the waiver wire. 
Um, he played last night, actually, his first game, and he was in the middle of a controversial call. There was a goalie inter- interference call on the National Predators, and they were reviewing the goal, and Philip DiGiuseppe was actually pushed into the goalie, um, but then the goalie recovered, had time to see the shot coming, and could not get it, but they still called it goaltender interference. So I'm still convinced the NFL and the NHL and the referees in the league have no idea what goaltender interference is. They, they have no idea. Toronto does not know. They just I think what they do is they get a coin in the booth in Toronto and do like the best of 10 flips because obviously they just don't know what they're doing. I, I, they have no idea. No idea. Goaltender interference, what is it? <laughs> Please tell me. Nobody knows, Dylan, but nobody knows. But, uh, yes, my Washington Capitals, um, as you mentioned, we are currently on a three-game losing streak ourselves. Uh, We started off, as you mentioned, on New Year's Eve with your Preds coming to town, D.C., and beating us 6-3, scoring three unanswered goals in the third period, pretty much crashing our New Year's Eve party. We played on Thursday against St. Louis Blues. We got blown out 5-2. And then last night, we lost the Dallas Stars 2-1 in overtime. And our coach mentioned if we played the way we did at the second and third period, we would win a lot of games. Phoenix Copley, he played last night. Phoenix Copley from North Pole, Alaska, by the way. And he's been okay as a backup. I know he's not like Grubauer was last year because he was down in the minors. So he's got to get his feet wet and learn how it is in, the NHL in his young career. But the Capitals, we just got to keep fighting. Like you said, you had a 16 game streak. You eventually snap out of it. We'll eventually snap out of it. We play Detroit tomorrow, and then we play Philadelphia on Tuesday. We play the Bruins on Thursday. So we'll see if we can turn around. Alex Ovechkin, though, yes, he's missing the All-Star game, but he did score his 30th goal in the game against St. Louis on Thursday, making history, Dylan. He's scored 30 goals in all his 14-year career, all the years he's been in the NHL, 14 seasons, every season, Dylan, he's gotten over 30 goals. That's incredible. That's incredible. And only one Stanley Cup. But, Ouch. you know, Ouch. I am sorry. I had to bring it up. <laughs> um, also with the Predators, something to note as well. The reason why we went on that six-game losing streak, we are missing a lot of our key players. We brought back P.K. Subban. We brought back Victor Arvidsson. Victor Arvidsson is 2-1 and one since he's back on the eye, since he came back from his injury. Um, and... We also have Philip Forsberg. He's on the injured reserve list right now. Colton Sissons is as well. Kyle Turris is as well. Yannick Weber is as well. We have all these players that are on injured reserve. Some of them are coming back soon. Philip Forsberg should be back in the next three to four games or so. Um, and hopefully Kyle Turris will be back soon as well. And Colton Sissons. I think Colton Sissons will probably be back before Kyle Turris is. So our depth has been... Um, being showcased, I guess, if you could say it's being showcased. We haven't been doing that well, but missing all those all-stars, I think that that's the reason why we've been doing so poorly um, going into 2019. But hopefully we snap out of it, bring back our key players, and make a a final push to the Stanley Cup, even though we're still second in the Central Division right now. Um, So we're sitting pretty in the playoffs. We don't want the President's Trophy again. (laughs) God knows we don't want that to happen. Trust me, we know all about winning the President's Trophy and doing bad in the playoffs. Yeah, we don't want that to happen. We don't want that either. Washington (laughs) didn't win it last year, and they won the Stanley Cup. So I think that if the Predators— You don't win it, you might win the Cup. (laughs) Exactly. We might win the Cup this year. That would be great. Um, So I'm still holding out for the Predators to 
um, not win the President's Trophy and make it to the Stanley Cup. But good luck to Bay Lightning. Right. <laughs> let's go to the World Juniors. Uh, there's an update there. The USA is actually in the gold medal game against, against Finland. Finland tonight, which is huge news for the USA. USA. And also. Um, the and Canada's playing Russia right now, right? Yes, Canada actually lost against Finland, um, which was devastating for them. I think actually it's um, yeah, Russia, Russia, and Switzerland were playing for third place, oh, so Canada right. was knocked out of the top three. Which that's that was kind of a um, wake up call for Canada because last year they actually won the gold. Mm-hmm. And they go in this year and they get knocked out of the top three. So. Huge news for Canada. Um, we'll see if they can bounce back next year. But USA, they're playing tonight, so make sure you watch that game. It's going to be a big one against uh, Finland. And Ellie Tolvanen as well is going to be in that game as well from the National Predators. There you go, Dylan. All right, Dylan. Well, let's transition into my football recap of the week. And as always, out of bounds, we're here to recap the latest from the beautiful game. So for my European recap, with the big game that happened, we had a lot of fixture uh, the festive fixtures, as they call them in England, because England and La Liga a little bit were the only leagues that were playing during the break. And Manchester City was a big game on Thursday. They beat Liverpool 2-1. to one. Leroy Sonnigan, that shot that hit the post twice to get over the line. An exciting game as the two top two team, the top two teams in England faced off against each other, Liverpool and Man City. So Man City beat them 2-1, to one, and now they are only behind Liverpool, I believe, by six points. Manchester United, Dylan, they fired, or England, they say, sacked Jose Mourinho after being so bad. They brought they bring in Ole Gunnar Gunshaw, and he's won five games in a row now since he's taken over as the coach. Pogba's scoring goals, Martial scoring goals, Rashford, and the defense is looking solid, Dylan, for Manchester United. They've been very impressive. They won against Reading 2-0 in the FA Cup, so Manchester United... They're now inching in the top four. We'll see if they can keep winning and keep up the momentum. Uh, speaking of other games that happened in the FA Cup, Chelsea won their game against Nottingham Forest. And then Arsenal won against Blackpool 3-0. So very exciting scorelines there for the FA Cup today. Real Madrid played a couple days ago against Villarreal for La Liga to make up their match because they were down in the United Arab Emirates for the Club World Cup. They finished 2-2. They were leading that game late, and the Villarreal got a goal late to get 2-2 draw for La Liga. And for Real Madrid, they're barely clinging on to fourth place in La Liga with 29 points, while Barcelona has a huge lead right now, followed by Vleti and Sevilla. All right, Dylan, let's talk about some Orlando City news. They've been pretty busy. So they agreed to sell Yoshi Yotun to Cruz Azul. So he's gone. Uh, Joe Bendig... He got traded to Columbus, our former starting goalkeeper. Uh, they did make some signings. Uh, the most one that they recently signed is a, our homegrown player, Benji Michelle. They brought him in after he scored 31 goals and 53 points from the University of Portland. And he's been in the development academy at uh, Orlando City's, uh, not B, but the Montverde Academy. So they're bringing him up. So he's doing, see how he does for Orlando City. They also signed Ecuadorian midfielder, Jason Sebastian Mendez. They brought him in as well. So that's going to be interesting to see what Orlando City does. Orlando City is also hosting the MLS Combine right now. And then next week, they're going to start prepping for the MLS Super Draft. The NWSL is going to be the Orlando Prides Draft. I believe that's the same week as well next week. And then for the Orlando Seawolves, 
they got their first win against the Mississauga, the Mississauga Metro Stars. At that game, they won it 12-7. They played the Florida Tropics this past week on the road. First road game, they lost 9-6, but they were making a late comeback you know, short. They will play them again on January 12th. Let's talk some soccer news. And in soccer news, the biggest news that happened this week, Dylan, was the biggest celebrity right now in America in soccer, Christian Pulisic. He got signed or not, by Chelsea for $73 million from Borussia Dortmund. Now, he's not moving there until the summer, but uh, he will get loaned to finish the season with Dortmund before he moves over to London uh, this summer. Guillermo Barroscalotto has taken the LA Galaxy job, so your boy Slotson is very happy about that. Of course, Guillermo Barroscalotto, he won an MLS Cup with the Columbus Crew back in 2008, and he won two league titles in Argentina with his most recent job, Boca Juniors. Uh, Orlando City, their former GM, Nicky Budalic, has signed a deal to, to be in an office role with David Beckham's new team, Inter-Miami, CF. And then the New York, up in the lawsuit land, the New York court tossed the NHL civil lawsuit against the USSF board members, but they still have their antitrust case pending. And then in the NPSL, they announced a new soccer club here in Central Florida called Central Florida SC, also known as the Panthers, I believe they will be based in Altamont Springs, but they will start to play this spring in that league. Some games to watch this week, Dylan. We're already in the weekend, but you got the FA Cup. The big game's going to be on Monday, Dylan, between Wolverhampton and Liverpool. That's going to be the big league game. But we also got some games going on this Saturday in Liga Emekis as that league begins its season for the Clasura. So the big game is going to be Leon against Tigres. That's at 8.06 p.m. And then you got Chivas de Guadalajara as they take on Tijuana. That's going to be at 10 p.m. Eastern time. And then, of course, on Sunday, you have Sevilla in La Liga taking on Atletico Madrid. And that, guys, will conclude my football recap of the week. Let's move over to some miscellaneous news. The Seattle Mariners signed Japanese free agent pitcher Yusi Kakuchi. Is that right? I believe I believe you said it right. Okay. If, if we don't, I hope please I let us know on <laughs> at OOB Podcast. Yeah, Yusi, if I said your name cor- incorrectly, let me know. Uh, from Go Japan for $56 million, <laughs> and the deal is actually worth up to $109 million based on incentives and things of that nature. Um, so congratulations to them. They get some um, pitcher depth there in Seattle. And the Orlando Apollos began their training camp in San Antonio for the preparation of the Alliance of American Football debut on February 9th here, I believe, in Orlando. Yes, we host the first uh, league game on February 9th against the Atlanta Legends. Hashtag beat Atlanta. Yes. Or that's what they're promoting on Twitter. Uh, Mike Waddell, the president, he's been saying all over on Twitter, posting stuff. And they're calling it the lunch at the bounce house. So I'm expecting to be a party. I might get a ticket to see that game, see how might they as well. do. Might but as well. uh, it's going to be a lot of fun as the Alliance Football League is getting started. What's finally interesting dealing is we got all these football leagues starting in 2019. We got the Freedom Football League, which Terrell Owens is involved in that league. We got the Alliance of American Football League. And, of course, next year is the XFL. Now, the Alliance of American Football League, they've already said, we're a development league. We want to develop players and try to get in the NFL. Look, look at uh, – uh, uh, Garrett Gilbert, he got signed the last week of the season in the NFL to the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, and he hasn't thrown a ball for us yet. Yeah, I, so I, I, I Josh uh, Johnson got signed by the Redskins earlier this year. 
yep. or, or this past season in the NFL. I think so, yeah. I think that they're doing a great job um, of making it to where it's a developmental league. And I think that at a certain point, if the NFL sees that the product, there's the proof of the product. If they look at this and they say, you know what, there's a concept here, it's working, then maybe down the line we might see a a merger, not a merger, but at least a, a relationship. Like between, a partnership between a partnership the two leagues. between the two leagues. So who knows? I mean, the XFL is coming up next year. Vince McMahon is putting a lot of money into that league. But yeah, but we don't know what the XFL is going to be. Exactly. exactly. I don't think they want to be a development league. I, I don't think, think they so want to be like a professional They want to rival NFL. The NFL. Yeah. Um, as the Alliance of American Football League actually wants to develop stars to be NFL players which that's a that's a great thing for them to do. I think that these players that don't go to college or or they go to college for several years, they never get they didn't get in the scouting combines, so they go to like the regional combines instead. Those regional combine players can come to the Alliance of American Football League, play there and possibly get a spotlight shined on them to possibly get a chance in the NFL. That's very true too. And we saw this last year in the Spring League. Johnny Manziel went there and Look what happened. He got a job in the CFL, and he hasn't got cut, so he's still in the league, technically. He's still in the league. So, yeah, he's hey, still in the league. that's what the NFL needs. And, and even Ron Rivera, the coach of Carolina Panthers, said the same thing. We need a development league for these players to develop because college football, it's a different system. It is completely different. And I think that with um, the coaches they have, the player personnel they have behind the scenes in the front office as well, like Choi Palamalu and uh, Chris Polian and P- people like that. I th- Bill Polian, I'm sorry. Uh, Bill Polian, people like that. I think it's going to be a really good league. Um, and it's very exciting that they're actually having one of the teams here in Orlando. And they're kicking off the season right here in Orlando at the Bounce House at UCF. So it's great news for us. And I uh, can't wait to see what product they put on the field. It'll be great to see. So uh, let's move on to uh, our winners and losers of the week. JT, I will start with you first. All right, Dylan. My winner this week is the University of Temple, the Temple Owls, as they got paid because their coaches, uh, the coach, uh, I think it's Judge uh, John, he went to uh, to the Georgia Tech. He took the job at Georgia Tech. So they had to pay a buyout for him. And then, of course, what happened with Manny Diaz going to Miami they paid uh, $4 million. So overall, Temple got $6.5 million for losing two coaches. And now they can use that money to buy a new coach. That's or whatever they want to do with it. That's so good for them. They certainly getting paid no matter what. Uh, just don't buy a good coach to give UCF a loss, please. Yeah, please Because <laughs> uh, we're in the same division. Uh, my loser this week is going to be headsets. As both Nick Saban last week... And then Ed Orgeron on Tuesday got so mad, they just threw the headset down, and it just broke in a billion pieces, man. I've never seen a coach get so bad that you just, oh, boom, toss that headset. <laughs> I'm going to toss the headset right now. Yeah, don't do that. No, don't you do that. Ca- I don't want to break it. That's your- expensive. Exactly, do exactly. But, yeah, the, the headsets, you know, broke in. I'm sure it's probably going to come out the coach's paycheck, but these schools got money, Dylan. They're, they'll cover it. We'll get you their headset. They man. had other headsets somewhere you else. Know, it's fine. They more headsets for you to break. You exactly. Know, exactly. What it is. But, Dylan, who are your winners and losers this week? My winner this week is actually two of them, Pecorine and Roman Yossi from the National Predators. They got selected to the All-Star Game. Congratulations to them. And my losers this week are the entire fan base for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm so sorry that this has happened to you this season that you lose two of your star players, most likely two anyway, with Antonio Brown and also Le'Veon Bell. It just, 
it was too good to be true in that situation. I mean, you guys had a window to where you could win some playoff games and possibly go to the Super Bowl, but that window has quickly closed this season with Le'Veon Bell and also Antonio Brown um, leaving the team most likely. So fingers crossed for you, though. If Antonio Brown stays, then you might have a shot, but if not, then it's going to be really tough for you guys to uh, keep going. So that's one loser for me. Uh, Final thoughts. JT, I'll start with you first. All right, guys. Well, in case you didn't miss the news this past week, we had fantasy football championship playoffs this past week, and me, JT Saka, and my fantasy football team, Golden Balls FC, did it. After last year, I went, what, 4-12? and I was terrible last year. And I bounced back, and I am the league champion. It was a great season for me. Uh, really learned a lot from this past year in fantasy football. Finished 11-4, had to go to the playoff rounds. And upset, you know, Dylan and Dylan with the Y was giving me a lot of issues. You know, AB gave me a great run as well. Micah, he's been trying so hard to beat me, but I'm still undefeated. But I was a great season, guys. Uh, wish you guys good luck in next season. Uh, don't worry, I got the cur- the championship curse now because Jake won it last year. So he didn't win it this year. I probably won't win it next year. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, Dylan, you've been in the playoffs twice. Uh, both seasons, uh, yes. maybe third time to charm, man. Maybe you'll maybe win so. it next year. Maybe so. Um, I think that it was it was very close this season. I think it was it was a good season for the for the podcast for fantasy football. And we'll see um, how it turns out next year. But yes, I, I I stuck in there. I got third place, so that's all that matters. I, I won. I won against Dylan. That's all that matters. Yes, Dylan with the wide. He was tough to beat for a while. He was tough to beat for a while, but I, I finally beat him. I think it's because he rested several of his players for some reason. Um, I don't think he really looked at uh, his lineup for that final week. But still, hey, I won. Hey, you got third place, I man. got third place. That's all that matters. It's, we're, we're top. Me, I'm the top. Micah finished second. You finished third. So top three. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, um, and my final thought goes out to the game we're watching right now, to the Texans right now. We're watching Deshaun Watson try to bring this team back from a 21-point deficit starting the third quarter. Texans, come out here in the third quarter and please win this game. Because I don't want the Colts to succeed in the playoffs. I just don't want it to happen. I don't either, but... I would rather see the Texans win division, this game. What if our division rival has to win? <laughs> they have to win. But I think the Texans would have a better shot of actually going further in the playoffs than the Indianapolis Colts. It's not looking that way right now. <laughs> That's, it's not looking that way right now. It, it really isn't. That team, I don't know what's happening. And they're playing at home and losing 21-0. to I think it needs to... Uh, something needs to happen, though. Because, yeah, it's... Looking rough. Well, the NFL was seeing some crazy stuff. Remember a few seasons ago? I think it was 2013 when the Colts played the Chiefs and the Chiefs were up really big and somehow the Colts came back and won that game. Yeah. So it's it was seeing crazy stuff happen. Crazier things have happened. And last year, the Titans beat the, key, the Chiefs as well. So we've seen crazier things happen. This could be a crazy game, but we'll just have to keep watching and see. But... Thank you for listening to the show this week. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook at Out of Bounds with Dylan James, on Twitter at OOB Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter. It's Dylan underscore James. Or follow me on Instagram, Dylan James underscore FL, as in Florida. You can also email me at Dylan at Outofboundspodcast.com if you have any questions, comments, concerns about the show. Or if you want to join in on the conversation, feel free to on our social media channels. And you can email me as well. Either way, sounds good to me. JT, what are your social media handles, sir? 
You can follow me on Twitter I'm at JTSaka88. That's at JTSOCKA88. You can follow me on Instagram at JTSoccerSports. And you can email me. It's JT at OutOfBoundsPodcast.com. One big piece of news real quick before we leave. The uh, Tennessee Volunteers basketball team, they're number one three in the nation right now in basketball. They just beat the Georgia Bulldogs by a score of 96 to 50. What? Just to let you let that sink in for a little bit. They were actually snubbed from 50. getting number one spot because Kansas got knocked out. And that was the only team that beat Tennessee, I believe. And Tennessee didn't go to number one. They stayed at number three. But Tennessee just had a statement game against Georgia, SEC rival, um, winning by 46 points. Didn't Kentucky lose too? I thought I saw somewhere Kentucky lost. I wouldn't be surprised. So Kentucky was playing against Auburn. No, Alabama. I'm sorry. Oh, Alabama. Yeah, Al- yeah, it was Alabama. Alabama. Alabama snapped their 10-game losing streak. Ooh. So, uh, yeah, congrats to coach, former Spurs player, Avery Johnson. Yeah, there you go. Well, anyway, thanks for listening once again, and we will talk to you guys next time.